0: Hi, I'm Dr. Olga Pinkston, a board certified rheumatologist and the host of the Mind Your Fibro podcast. This podcast is dedicated to fibromyalgia. I discuss up-to-date information about fibro, its treatment, the biology and psychology of the fibromyalgia. I cover the pain science education, the complementary and alternative methods available to you now to improve your symptoms. There are a lot of things that influence development of fibromyalgia trigger fiber flares, and produce other symptoms like IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, depression, and anxiety, and none of them are your fault. In the Mind Your Fiber podcast, you will learn how and why fiber develops, how chronic pain changes your brain, and most importantly, that you're not alone in the struggle, that fiber is real, and how to not let fiber control your life. This podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. Well, welcome back to the Mind Your Fibre podcast. I had such busy weeks I got behind on podcasting. Sorry if you have been waiting for a new episode. Recently, I spoke at the Support for Myalgia Conference. It was a phenomenal conference for the patients, and I heard so many positive reviews from my patients, family, and attendees. I hope you attended live or listened to the replays. Just remember, the replays are available for the next six months. Such important work and support were provided to patients with fibromyalgia during the conference. So today, I want to talk about pushing and crashing. So over the last several weeks, I have been swamped. In October, I launched my new membership, The Roommate. And although it has been such exciting work, it added to my already heavy workload. It felt more in the amount of additional mental energy I had put into creating content in a way I have never done before. I also had hectic weeks in my clinic and had the stress of closing left-behind open charts. Then my kids had a Halloween party. Their first sleepover in the new house we moved into the summer. So we were busy getting ready for that and, of course, late-night staying, supervising teenagers, feeding them and worrying, you know, the typical mom stuff. Then the work week coaching kids, and on Friday, last-minute changes for the presentation at the conference, reworking the slides, practicing, and finally delivering the talk. Well, after that, my kids had flu, so of course, even though I'm a relatively resilient person, but like everyone, I have my limits. Several nights of poor or not enough sleep, stress, and worry, coupled with my fear of public speaking, pushed me over. I used to have migraines before or during any public speaking event. Over the years, I got them under control. But with the conference, my threshold of stress was blown. And after the presentation, I should sure did have a migraine, followed by extreme fatigue. For the next two days, I felt like I had just finished a marathon. I felt exhausted, unmotivated, wanting to stress eat and do absolutely nothing. But Sunday I had to pull myself out of this unmotivated slump and attempt to finish task I put on hold on Friday Saturday. That did not decrease the stress, but actually increased it. I felt overwhelmed. As I contemplated about the next podcast episode, I realized that what I experienced was a typical pushing and crashing episode, with some exceptions. I did not criticize myself or beat myself down, but used coaching tools to get me through it. So pushing and crashing is not isolated to patients who have fibromyalgia. The majority of people experience it at least some time before. we cramped for the exam in high school or college, stayed up way too late decorating the Christmas tree or wrapping presents, pushed through the airport to catch a red eye or worked on a project to make sure it was done to get that bonus, or cleaned the entire house in one day before the in-laws arrived. We pushed to get one thing done, get stressed out, sleep-deprived, or physically exhausted, and need a pause to recover. However, I feel that most patients who have fibromyalgia have a different dynamic with pushing and crashing. They often feel that they are stuck in a loop. It's not one incident of pushing with the purpose of accomplishing something concrete. Instead, you find yourself caught in a frustrating cycle, swinging between overactivity and forced rest. When your symptoms are low, you push to get as much done as possible because you know that you will crash soon enough. That overexertion triggers an increase in symptoms, leading to forced rest or a crash. Resting is usually successful in reducing symptoms and providing needed relief. But then, the pause in activities during this rest leads to feeling frustrated at all you didn't accomplish while resting. You plunge into another round of overactivity to catch up, leading to another crash. Instead of pushing due to the need to accomplish a particular task, like studying for a final exam, Your push is due to your anticipation of the crash due to worsening symptoms. Living in response to symptoms often anticipated, you are caught in a vicious cycle in which intense symptoms alternate with periods of extended rest. This leads to feeling out of control and having a highly unpredictable life that is difficult to plan. Often the only plan is knowing that the push will end up with a flare but not when or for how long. When I work with patients who have aromyalgia, the concept of pushing and crashing is not often apparent to them or their families. This is just the way they live and adapt to fibro. The plan for the crash, it is anticipated. There is a component of vigilance, paying more careful attention, especially to notice possible symptoms. The mind is on the lookout. It's like sleeping with one eye open. You're doing your tasks, and part of you is on the lookout, anticipating the end, the escalation of symptoms. Any symptom is recorded by your mind, like an increase in fatigue, pain, irritability, or sensitivity. The more symptoms start to accumulate, the more your nervous system or your mind anticipates the flare. It's like watching the pot of water beginning to boil. Every new symptom is like the initial bubbles. You and your brain know that if you see a few bubbles, soon enough the pot will be fully boiling. If the pot is at full boil, nothing else can be done but to turn off the heat or force yourself to rest. So the flare or significant increase in your symptoms forces you to crash. The crash is forced rest or a period of inactivity or lower activity. Some people cannot afford to stop everything. They have a job or kids. So they, they may start eliminating activities deemed by their brain as unnecessary. For some, it may be ordering takeout instead of cooking, not taking the daily walk or shower, spending more time on the couch and procrastinating. For some, it, it may be going to bed and staying there. I have patients who tell me that they can stay in bed for days at a time. They do everything there, sleep, eat, watch TV, surf Facebook, talk on the phone, etc. Whatever their brain associates with rest and inactivity. All of them feel utterly unproductive and often still unrested and fatigued. After the inactivity, full stop or reduced activity, the crippling nagging starts as frustration, guilt, shame and inner criticism boil over. As I coached clients, they tell me that they often think of themselves as worthless, hopeless, inadequate, or just plain awful about themselves. They need to rest in accumulating things that are not being done. The motivation to get out of bed or the rest phase of the pushing and crashing cycle often comes from negativity. Most people don't start by telling themselves, well, I feel great now. I'm rested. I have more energy. I'm ready to go back to do things. No. Most of the time, the motivation comes from feeling guilty and frustrated at yourself. That feeling drives you to pull yourself together and get going. You see, the thoughts you have about yourself create feelings you have about yourselves that drive your actions and results. So the negative thoughts and feelings you have about yourself, your rest, and your symptoms cannot produce positive, beneficial actions or good results. The results of getting out of the crash is the beginning of the push. The push and crash lead to lack of control, unpredictability, and discouragement. Now, there is an alternative to push and crash, and that is pacing. Pacing suggests that your symptoms are not random, but primarily due to variations in your activity level. If we do more than our bodies can tolerate, the result is an intensification of symptoms. If we stay within our energy limit, both mental and physical energy limits, we can gain some control over our symptoms. Pacing offers the possibility of more stable and predictable life. Using pacing, you can live your life according to a plan rather than in response to symptoms, giving you a sense that you are managing fibromyalgia, rather than fiber controlling you. So how do we break the cycle of pushing and crashing? Now, in my roommate membership, we have been talking a lot about emotional awareness and how our thoughts create our feelings and emotions, actions, and results. And my members are being coached on it every week. So part of our work here is learning new skills to handle these difficult thoughts and feelings more effectively so they can have less impact and influence over you and your energy. If you practice the thoughts and feelings for many, many months to years during the pushing and crashing cycle, it will take time to learn new skills. So giving yourself grace that it will take time to learn a different pattern is a must. Now, the first step of any change starts with awareness or noticing symptoms. Notice what you're thinking when you push yourself. Are you doing that particular task or job with a goal in mind? Have you conditioned yourself to only clean the house by pushing, getting everything done in one big swoop, and then letting go of maintaining it until the next push? If that's the case, what thoughts do you have about getting everything done during cleaning? What I can tell you, many of you will find that you have all or nothing thinking, also known as black or white thinking. All or nothing thinking is one of many negative thought processes known as cognitive distortions that is common in people with chronic pain, fibro, depression, or anxiety. All or nothing thinking is especially common in perfectionists. I will have a separate episode on perfectionism, but for now, I want you to realize that perfectionism is coping mechanism, that perfectionism is a coping mechanism and often arises from a fear of judgment. Or disapproval from others. It's not a good thing. All or nothing thinking It's either perfect or disaster. You treat yourself like a failure if you don't feel physically or mentally well enough to perform a task you plan to do. With all or nothing thinking, as soon as you fall below 100% in your estimation, that 100% turns to zero. Example of black and white thinking could be getting a B on a test in school and feeling like you failed because you did not get an A. During cleaning your house, you did not finish cleaning one room, and now you think the whole place is a disaster. During your job interview, you choked on one question, and even though you got the positive feedback, and all the other questions were answered great, now you think you will not, should not, or even don't deserve that new job. You do not send a birthday card to your friend and now you think you're a terrible friend and she will never forgive you. If you eat one cookie, the whole diet is now ruined. Might as well eat the whole box. Here's what you may catch yourself doing. You often use words like always, never, should, and shouldn't. You won't try something unless you're confident you can do it perfectly. Small mistakes can make you feel like a total failure. You have a hard time receiving feedback Positive or constructive. You won't try something unless you're confident you can do it perfectly. Here are some ways all or nothing or black and white thinking affects us. It causes decreased confidence and self esteem, feeling like a failure, fear of asking for help, lack of self compassion and unwillingness or inability to forgive yourself, and having difficulty thinking of solutions to find a middle ground. So, letting go of the black and white or or all-or-nothing thinking or just noticing it is a good start as you learn how to avoid the push. As you catch shooting yourself, be on the lookout for this type of thinking. Once again, just notice. Don't use it as an excuse to beat yourself up again. This is a game of noticing. And if you notice what you do even once, you're doing great. So, pushing yourself to get things done or keep doing it until you're totally exhausted. Notice that. We're trying to notice it and catch ourselves in the act. Because if you're not totally exhausted, collapsed, and incapacitated, it is easier to be more rational and follow through. It's like shopping when you're hungry. If you're starving, All rational thoughts are out, and you will buy whatever you see because of hunger. So we're trying to prevent a crash by noticing thoughts and feelings that lead you into actions, hoping that you will not end up in the crash mode. Another part of pushing and crashing is the anticipation of a crash. I had a client who would plan every event, every outing, everything strenuous or active with a day of crash after, regardless of how she felt. Saturday is is busy with shopping, cooking, cleaning, and date with your husband. And Sunday is nothing. A day in bed with Netflix to recharge, rest, and improve symptoms that she may or may not have because of the fear that if she does not do that, she will certainly end up in a flare. This is called anticipatory anxiety. If you have anxiety from anticipation, You are fearful for an extended period about an imagined future situation. You perceive it as an unpredictable threat. Anxiety from anticipation causes people to feel nervous, concerned, or afraid about the future that may or may not happen. You may spend time dwelling on a worst-case scenario regarding future fiber flares that may or may not happen. You see, your brain can only predict things based on your prior experiences and has a negative bias. We tend to think more negatively and predict negative outcomes with much more ease than successful ones. If you had an excellent busy Saturday and woke up in the fibro flare on Sunday, you may start thinking that, of course, I had too much fun, too good to be true, to feel this well after all that action. No wonder I'm in a flare. Your brain will take notice and connect Saturday and Sunday into one experience, one continuum. Now it will be vigilant after any event to look for symptoms or worry ahead of time trying to prevent them. If you worried and anticipated a flare and got it, your mind got the evidence that it was right. So it may be an interesting dynamic. Part of your pushing the black and white thinking, do all the tasks or your failure kind of thinking, And the other part of your mind is anxious with anticipation that all that work will make you crash. That is a lot of mental energy being spent. And with increased anxiety, you are easily distracted, feel apprehensive, and have more unfounded, irrational thoughts. You may start feeling overwhelmed and spinning. Your mind may start fortune-telling, trying to predict the future. What will happen if you don't finish your tasks? catastrophizing by assuming the worst will happen, or magnifying the situation by thinking that one little thing you don't do or complete will ruin everything. A lot of mental energy is being spent ahead of time, contributing to fatigue and mental and physical exhaustion. That mental energy that was increasing in the temperature of your negative thinking, spinning and spinning, got your pot to boil. You're starting to boil over, And the only solution you see now is to turn off the heat, to stop whatever you're doing because it's exhausting and mentally painful. And you are already tired and physically exhausted from the fibro or other medical conditions you have. And you also have brain fog and pain. You beat yourself to do things, beat yourself down for feeling your symptoms or anticipating them, and you are spent. No wonder you see that the only way out of it is to crash and do nothing. So now you crashed and your body and mind got the pause. If your brain beat you into a pulp to the point of a crash and now got a nice warm bed with a long nap or a cup of tea and Netflix as a reward, what do you think the pattern will start to form if you keep doing it? Like a toddler that got away with a cookie, even if you told him no, your brain will try to get that reward of a crash, the pause, something pleasant, the mental and physical rest. And if you don't reward yourself with rest unless you pushed and crashed, if the only rest you get is with crashing, your mind will find a way to get you there again and again. What you practice makes it stronger. You have created a pattern. Black and white thinking tells you that the only way to get things done is to do 110%, anticipate the crash, then crash, and get rewarded with much needed rest. Now that you're resting, your brain will initially try to get the rest it needs. Very often in patients with fibromyalgia the rest period will help with pain and other symptoms. But soon enough, the nagging voice in your head will start up again. The longer you rest, the louder the voice will be. The voice may tell you mean and nasty things about you. You need to rest, how your family, loved ones, friends, and co-workers see you, and all the things that pile on and not getting done. You may have a lot of judgment, hate, and self-loathing come up. Frustration with yourself starts to increase and finally creates the motivational force you need to get out of the rest or you crash and start being active again. But unfortunately, you end up at the beginning of the push cycle. Push, rest, frustration, push, rest, frustration. Again, noticing your thoughts, feelings, and what you do or do not do when you are in a crash will give you the data you need to recognize and analyze your patterns. Inside the roommate membership, we talk a lot about our feelings and thoughts and how the thoughts create feelings that lead us into action or inaction. The results in your life ultimately come from the thoughts you have. So here are the steps of the change you need. First, it's to notice your patterns, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Name what you notice. I'm starting to crash, or I'm starting to shoot myself into finishing this task, or I'm pushing myself to do 110%. I'm noticing my perfectionism. I crashed and starting to nag myself. Actually verbalize what you're doing or not doing. Neutralize it. Put your thoughts into a new context that neutralizes their influence, disarms them. If you let your thoughts or actions guide you, where does it take you? If you act, let this thought guide you. Will it take you towards or away from the life that you want or your goal? For example, the thought, I need to finish cleaning this entire house. How does the clean house help you not be in a fiber flare? Does the entire house have to be 100% done for you to feel well? Or will your cleaning over the threshold of your ability will prevent you from doing other things you need to do? Is this the life you want? Can you notice the power of the I must clean everything being diluted by other thoughts in being neutralized and disarmed? Now, work on creating new thoughts and new patterns. How can I pace my activities to accomplish things and not crash? When do I stop so I do not end up in bed? How can I get out of rest without hating myself? Can I create a self-compassion practice to motivate myself with love and kindness? Learning how to shift your thoughts and then learning how to pace instead of push and crash. That's the goal. You can accomplish it by writing your before and after in a journal. You can journal about your notice, name, neutralize, and new thoughts and patterns. You can write your negative thoughts and look at them with curiosity and kindness. Why do you think these thoughts? You can work with a therapist or a life coach or join our community of roommates who would love to have you and get coached inside the membership, and we can work on it together. Knowing that you're not broken – that you're not alone in the struggle, is so, so powerful. So pushing and crashing does not have to be the way of life. You can learn new ways. It is possible. Now, this episode concludes the season one of the Mind Your Fiber podcast. It's hard to believe that it has been almost a year since I started this podcast. I just created a guide of the first season of the podcast. Now, Mind Your Fiber Podcast Season 1 covers many topics. It covers the basics. What is fibro? How it is diagnosed and treated? Other episodes cover pain science, the pain, stress, and fear connection, self-care, diet, exercise, and sleep. This season also includes important topics on grief, relationships, pelvic pain, and pushing and crashing. So, the Season 1 guide includes the list of all episodes, as well as fill-in-the-blank guide for episodes so you can follow along, pay attention to the material, fill in the blanks, and have some fun. Now, the link to download this guide is in the show notes. If you listened to this podcast and it resonated with you, please write a review. I would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and it will help others to find it. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best thing you can do is to share with someone and leave a review and rating. This helps me support more people just like you move toward better life with fibromyalgia. All you have to do is to go to the platform you're listening on, click the share button or the icon, and just send it to a friend. I so appreciate you taking your time to do so. Make sure you sign up or subscribe to this podcast so you can get the most up-to-date information in the new episodes. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. And don't forget to mind your fibro. Disclaimer, this podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. None of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any medical or mental condition.